What's up, everybody? You are listening to Playing on Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Charm City Paintball. If you're looking for head game greatness, I'm telling you, Mike over at Charm City is the answer to the question. Uh, This guy has been making amazing headbands. Uh, I have some in my hands right now. Uh, the quality of work that this guy produces is is ridiculous. It's all handmade by him. He does custom work. He has some stuff up on his website at the moment that uh, that is actually it's a stock camo. He, he has a whole bunch of custom stuff, but he also makes some great stock stuff. He has a stock camo right now that's about 30 bucks and uh, you know, he he, he, he makes it all. He makes solid colors, camo colors. He has Gucci stuff. He has Louis Vuitton stuff. Just make sure you check him out. Uh, Charm City Paintball on Instagram and Facebook. And um, him and I are collaborating. We have in the past. We've made the, uh, the pack bands. And we're actually now collaborating on a custom headband, which I am very, very excited about. It's going to be awesome. And, um, yeah, I think you guys are going to really really like it we were throwing some ideas around and it's gonna be sweet so yeah give them a shout charm city paintball hell yeah so thank you mike uh this episode is also brought to you by melovio i have been on a cbd kick on on just trying to educate people on using product um especially from these guys and um and and i'll tell you what i've used and i've I've given it to people too that have been kind of skept- skeptical about the whole thing, and um, not only have I had great results, but I've had great results from other people too. Uh, they've been telling me that it's been working amazing, um, and and Melavio is just it's it's a great company. They have all kinds of product, anywhere from the the topical salve that I use for my uh, aches and pains, joints and muscles. Um, I've actually been using on my knees that has been helping out a ton, but they also have uh, a CBD honey, which is locally grown and their, uh, their proceeds help with the veterans with, uh, PTSD. And I, I think it's a great cause and they have everything that you need up there. You have the little bear vials that you can get, or you can get like a jug of honey. So I'm a honey fiend. I love it. It's, it's kind of my, my sweetness uh my sweet tooth whenever (laughs) whenever i'm feeling it i go and i get a little dab of honey but um i love the stuff and then cb on cbd on top of it is is only um you know super beneficial for for everything for anxiety and it's non-psychoactive um so just so everybody knows please educate educate yourself on it they have a whole page on it at melavio.com but um make sure you check them out and for all of the podcast listeners out there if you type in the promo code capital t-p-o-p you will get 15 percent off your entire order go on there check them out pick out some great stuff and uh, and let me know how it works because i've had some great experiences with it and i know you will too that is melovio m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o dot com and check it out my air conditioner just shut off so you can probably hear me way more clearly now <laughs> my office uh slash corner of the basement uh you usually can hear the floors cracking and 
and crunching and then the AC in the background sometimes you can hear the the uh, the clothes dryer go off in the background but you know that's the aut- authenticity of the whole thing so <laughs> uh, uh, this episode is also also brought to you by my patreon patreon.com slash the playing on podcast uh, if you guys enjoy the material that I'm putting out uh, if you would like to support in any way please head over uh, to patreon.com slash the playing on podcast and uh, and and contribute help donate um, if you can't, that's that's per- perfectly fine. But if you are looking for ways to do so, uh, the Patreon is definitely a way. I'm gonna try and get some product out so, uh, out soon as well. T-shirts, um, hats, you know, small apparel, things like that. I'm hopefully gonna have that out soon. But um, but if you guys are looking for a way to support now, please head over to Patreon.com/slash/ThePlayingOnPodcast and uh, and and help out. So. Uh, yeah, that is the ads. This episode is with Christopher Haas, and he has been uh, some of the brains behind uh, Paint Magazine, which was huge when I was coming up, and I know has has just been a giant inspiration for not only uh, media and photographers and 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 videographers coming up in the game of paintball but also it was it was influence influential for uh, players in there as well because it, it felt like it was made and, and Chris explains this in the in the podcast it was made for tournament players by tournament players and you could really feel that and it was something different and something brash and kind of what paintball needed at the time and kind of what paintball is going back to that kind of retro feel and and uh and excitement so uh yeah i had a great time sitting down with uh with chris and i think you guys are really going to enjoy this one so uh without further ado here is the podcast with christopher haas it's uh i mean that was like part of the the paint magazine curse is no one could spell my name or chris's chris diltz's name because his <laughs> is diltz with an s not a z and everybody wanted to put a z on there so it's like these really so simple funny. names and no one could get it right honest mistakes <laughs> so what's up man thank you uh thank you for doing this yeah no problem i uh yeah when i heard what you what you guys were doing and um kind of saw a little glimpse of what was going on i was I was geeked about it. I mean, just because Paint Magazine for me was, and I have to admit, at the time, was I wasn't the biggest reader. So I, but Paint Magazine was such a multimedia kind of a conglomerate of just pictures and articles and 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 for me, I, I'm big on visuals, and that's mm-hmm. what drew me in. Um, sure. because of it was so dynamic and so different and, and I think you and you guys and faithful were on the forefront of kind of that um, that offset from just the regular you know magazine ads and just newspaperish kind of stuff you know what I mean you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it's like uh, it's really great to see kind of this resurgence if you will, of, of old school paintball and kind of, you know, hardback media coming back. Mm-hmm. You, what, what do you, what do, what did you guys think about when you wanted to do this? Was it something that kind of the time felt right to do or just paintball was lacking this? 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we've thought about and talked about for a little while now, going back maybe two or three years. Um, I actually credit Dan Meridian, you know, one of the guys who worked on paint and is working with us on the book now, who was really kind of kept bugging us like every six months or so, um, mm -hmm. saying, you know, hey guys, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, maybe we should do something. And, um, and, and part of that was, you know, just an awareness that, um, you know, the magazine, the magazine stopped publishing about 15 years ago. And in the, that time, you know, we've all moved around a lot, left Chicago, come back from Chicago. Um, you know, a lot of stuff got lost, a lot, you know, and displaced along the way. But the one thing that really didn't is uh, Chris Diltz kept the photo archive intact. So it was basically in a storage room here in Chicago yeah. for the last 15 years. Um, and so, we, you know, we kind of knew that that was there. Um, my jersey collection, sadly, is not around with us anymore. But uh, uh, but the but the photo archive was there, and so that was kind of the thing that the Dan Meridian just really kept bringing up is like, you know, is there something we could do with this? And uh, thought about it for a while. And then I got to say, it, it's really, you know, we we knew obviously the 20th anniversary was going to was on the horizon. 2019 would be the the 20th anniversary. It came out, and the the first issue came out in the summer of, of 1999. And so the sort of the, the running joke was like, well, we could we could do it in 2019, or we could just wait five years and uh, do the do the 25 year anniversary, give mm -hmm. us more time. Uh, but really, just sort of like paying attention to what was going on with paintball, even though I've not been active in it, um, I start started to see, you know, some of the the resurgence in, in the, the sort of the, this era of nostalgia that we're in. And I mm -hmm. was really watching the webcast for the second Iron City Classic. Um, that just kind of blew my mind and just like seeing all the old people there playing, seeing the response and just like, and not just like the people, but bringing back some of that feel like of what it actually felt like to, to be playing at, at Urban Assault um, yeah. at that back then. And so um, it was just, that was kind of the moment where, you know, I, I, I give, I give credit to, to Tim, to Tim Montresser. Like that was the moment where it was like, all right, we have, we have to do this now. Like this is this is clearly there's there's a bit of a moment that's happening, and I think people will really enjoy it and get a kick out of it right now. And and um, and you know, the more I thought about it, it was like there's really, I think there's a, a lot there, and there's a real story to tell. So you know, we started we started in 1999. Um, magazine stopped publishing in 2004. So it's really just a five year window. But when you think about it, it's the, a five year window in which just so much happened mm -hmm. that really created tournament paintball as it still exists today yeah um, and you know in that regards like we were just fortunate you know you, you we, the timing worked out for us we didn't know that was going to happen um when we started the magazine and you know i think i think it's going to be it's 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 fun clearly for a lot of the people who were there to like go back and, and and relive some of that but i think there's like actually a lot that new players can learn and take from it and i, I hope the industry can sort of kind of see itself reflected back from that time and, and maybe learn some stuff from it as well. It's just, yeah. it's just an incredible period. You think of everything that happened in those, in those five years. And, and just being able to put it all in a book, you know, where you start, I mean, the book, I'm sure it'll be, you know, roughly chronologically ordered in the sense that when you start in the beginning, you know, you start in 1999 where you're still 10 man in the woods and then imagine sort of flipping through and just it's like a, a stop motion video almost of five years and, and you end, you know, at the end of World Cup 2004, um, you know, that was ESPN filming the NXL for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at that point, like, 
you've got it all. You know, you've got X-Ball, you've got electronic guns, you've got, you know, TV, you've got proteins, you know, um, you've got paintball as we sort of still kind of know it mm-hmm. today. I, so. Now, let's go back in how it yep. kind of came about. Um, you know, was it was it paintball first and then you kind of had this background that you wanted to, you know, with magazines or photography mm-hmm. or whatever it is? What, what is your background and, and how did the whole thing come about? Sure. Um, so, you know, like a lot of people, I played paintball for the first time at a birthday party. <laughs> Um, I think it was probably my 15th birthday party. Uh, we actually had a field that wasn't very far from my house. I didn't even know about, um, went there and I actually had a really bad time. Uh, I didn't know it at the time that the rental gun that I was using was broken. Mm. Uh, and then when I turned it in at the end of the day, they were like, Oh yeah, it's broken. (laughs) This is why you couldn't get it to shoot. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, honestly, like that, might, that could have been like the end for me. But um, my dad had taken me there, you know, it was for my, uh, and and my dad was really, really into it. Um, really. And so early on, you know, um, you know, my birthday's in October, and then um, that off season, that winter, he bought all the catalogs, bought like a full set of gear for both of us, um, and he was just like he was going to go back and play no matter what. And so, you know, in the early days, like it was really my dad was like dragging me to the field, you know, especially as I you know, like turned 16, got a car, started staying out late. Um, he would wake me up on Saturday, Sunday mornings and say, like, just just get in the car. I'll drive. I'll get the gear ready. Um, yeah. He he just loved it. Um, and so, you know, started playing five local five man tournaments eventually uh, actually played on a team with my dad for a while. Uh, which was fun. Uh, eventually started running that team, and that was awkward because then I had to call my father by his first name. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're running a team, you can't just be like, Dad, right. I need you to do this. So uh, it's like, Dad, George, please. George, we're going to need you to play back left. So. <laughs> and we need to step, you really need to step up your game. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of the paintball piece of it. Um, start, and then eventually, um, went to i think i think 97 was the first uh mppl chicago i went like one of the local teams decided to play 10 man they needed extra players for the uh for the team um you know bought my first 10 pack to play 10 man was totally ready went out there we played bob long's ironman in our very first game and, mm. and they beat us 10 up in like I want to say about three minutes. <laughs> uh, it was, it, Welcome it was like, to the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't need the ten pack. So. <laughs> uh, no, it, but it was, that was just a, an eye-opening experience. Like, I, I loved it. I loved that. Like being seeing the MPPL, just realizing like, you know, it's when you've been playing paintball for years and you finally get there and you're like, wait, we've been doing it wrong the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, I knew that's that's what I wanted to do. Um, tried out, got on a, a team based out of Cincinnati called Zero Tolerance. Really? Uh, played for them in, in 97 and then after that the end of that season uh, tried out and got on Thunderstruck played on Thunderstruck in 98 and then at the end of that season um, tried out and, and got picked up on Farside in 1999 oh, uh, and yeah I mean you know, growing up in the Midwest during that era you like you either wanted to play for Farside or you wanted to play for Aftershock yeah um, and and you know, for whatever reason, I was a far side guy. Like that was always like the the destination. So um, in '99, I started playing with far side, and that was pretty much the 
more or less played with, with them the rest of my career. Who else was on that team at the time? Oh gosh, I mean, that's a. There's been so many, uh, so many iterations. I mean, you know, John Dresser was was has been the through line. So you know, John Dresser was there. Uh, John Rathbun came on right about that same time as well. Uh, Brian Hansis was still on the team. Um, some of those guys, I don't know. You, you probably know a few of them. But yeah. Then it you know quickly went through a number of iterations. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, you know, the far side's got a big history. So, so yeah, so that's kind of my paintball. So, I mean, all that, at that point, like I was practicing regularly, driving to Chicago for practices, playing in the MPPL with far side. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I was in school, uh, I was in college in India, Indiana university. And, um, originally when, you know, growing up as a kid, uh, I wanted to be a comic book artist actually. Really? Um, and so that was, that was my focus for a long time. And then at some point I realized like the, the actual drawing, sitting at a desk for just hours and hours and hours of drawing was not really the thing that interested me. That the, the piece of it that actually interested me was just the visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you said, you know, you're not, you weren't really a reader when you first encountered paint. Cause I, cause I, I really felt like what we were trying to do was, was sort of kind of holistic visual storytelling more than anything. Yeah. Um, and it really just saw all of it as a, as a whole. Um, so yeah, so I, I realized I, I, I still wanted to do that and I kind of transitioned into doing graphic design at that point, um, which seemed like a whole lot easier than having to draw everything. <laughs> um, and so also at that point sort of tr- switched majors and got into the journalism program. So I was you know still in college studying graphic design, studying journalism and you know starting to think about like what I was gonna do out of school and I, I sort of realized there was there's no place that I was going to be able to go and get a job right out of school where they were going to let me do graphic design, let me write, and also let me have like input into sort of the editorial vision of a, of, of a magazine. And the only way I was going to be able to do all three of those things if I just, was be if I just started my own magazine. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and me and Chris Diltz and some of the guys, you know, we very much came out of that like DIY punk scene of small press publishing and zines. And so... And even for the the comics, you know, I at the time that was that was like the the black and white explosion of like these all the small press indie comics. Um, the most famous one, of course, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> That's but, how it started uh, out. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, it was. It, it, it was because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was so successful as like an independent small press black and white comic. Uh, it sort of spurred this whole influx of people trying to like capture that same success hmm. um and so yeah so i i at the time you know when i was still doing comics i had done a lot of research into what it would take to actually publish your own comic um you know work with a printer produce and distribute a black and white you know comic um which is really just sort of a small magazine yeah um and so um you know at the time there was a there was a local bookstore still around actually that had a great selection of magazines and I would go there all the time. I was consuming just tons of magazines, whether that was, you know, skateboarding magazines, music magazines, graphic design magazines, BMX, whatever. Um, but I realized at one point, like I never bought any of the paintball magazines. 
Um, and so here I was, somebody who was spending all this time playing paintball and all this time just stacking magazines and you know in my in my room and, and spending all this time really thinking about graphic design and writing, but, but never bought any of the paintball magazines. And, and what magazines back- were around back then? I mean, there were there were quite action. a few at the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, action APG, of course, uh, paintball sports was the main US one. There was always, you know, I want to say like the very early version of Paintball 2 Extremes that is probably unrecognizable for anyone who, who saw like the later version. Um, I will say PGI was around at the time. And I, I liked PGI, but it was almost impossible to get in Southern Indiana in 1998. Mm-hmm. So you would get like one copy a year if you were lucky. Um, and so that was kind of the light bulb moment. I was like, I. I love paintball. I really want to start a magazine and do magazines. And you know, the fact that I am not reading any of these paintball magazines probably means there's other people like me out there who who also just it's just not clicking for them. Right. And so it was really those two things put together. It was just like the desire to do to try a magazine as well as uh, seeing a real opening there, or, you know, or thinking or feeling there might be an opening there. And uh, so yeah, so I, I asked Chris Diltz to commit to working with me for, you know, he was the photo editor for the duration of the magazine, asked him to, uh, to commit to doing six months. If he'd come work for me for six months, I promised him that we would, we would act, we would publish at least one issue. So no matter what, he would have something to show for it. We both have something to show for it. And that was the agreement. And, uh, was he working for anybody at the time? No, he was in school as well. Okay. Yeah. He had just graduated, so we actually waited until he graduated to, to start. That's why we started in the middle of the year instead of the beginning of the year in 99. Oh, gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and, and so he's like a, he's an interesting story as well, you know, because his sort of interest into photography was, we grew up together in, in southern Indiana, and after high school, you know, he was living in a, you know, he had a room in a house uh, that did basement shows. And they were sort of on the map of all these indie bands that would, you know, book their own tours, travel the country in a van, uh, and, you know, show up and do all these basement shows all across the country. And so uh, every weekend there were bands from all over the country playing in these basements. And one summer he decided, he just had an old film camera, and uh, he decided he was going to shoot one roll of film for every band that played in his basement that (laughs) summer. Um, And that was kind of like his introduction to, to, to punk rock photography. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I started thinking about the, doing the paintball magazine, I, I talked to Chris and, and this was in 98. I asked him to come out with me to the Chicago open in 98 and shoot photos um, just to sort of see what we got. Like there was no paint magazine didn't exist. Um, right. It's just an idea. I wanted to try it. And so he agreed. And, you know, his first instinct was he would, it was a three day event. So he was going to bring three rolls of film and shoot one roll each day, and told immediately told him that no, that was wrong, and that I wanted him to buy thirty rolls of film and and shoot ten a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that was like unprecedented for him, but he was happy to do it because I was paying for the film, <laughs> uh, and so he did. So he came to Chicago, he shot about a thousand photos on film, all black and white. Um, in '98, and then that summer I probably spent a month just kind of going through those photos. Time, again and again and again it's like making notes just looking and trying to find something in there mm-hmm. that that really resonated and then a year later when we went back to to shoot 
the 99 Chicago Open for the first issue, you know, at that point, you know, Chris and I had like a shared visual language that we had sort of developed through that first experiment. And we kind of knew what we wanted going in there. Um, and that was, I think that was a real big piece of, of why we were able to right out of the bat, like get stuff that I think was usable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that was the, the idea was, uh, was we do it for at least six months and we ended up doing it for a little over five years. Yeah. Now, cause it, the magazine was mostly black and white. Um, I mean, give or take, uh, you know, a few, few here and there, but do you feel that I'd say it was actually about 50, 50, maybe even predominantly color. But I think the fact that we ran so much more black and white than other people, like that's what people remember. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys, you guys stood out more, I think because of, of that. And I think, I think black and white, at least me personally, um, pulls out and I'm just a stupid you know picture looker adder so <laughs> but but for me i feel like uh the black and white draws out the emotional kind of side of the picture rather than you could because you don't have the vibrance of the colors so mm-hmm. your brain can only take in kind of what the image is giving off if that makes any sense mm-hmm. emotionally um so i think that's what was um, like like you had said earlier, kind of the storytelling, and I think that with the, with the black and white, I think that's why it stood out so much because all you had to do with the black and white was tell the story. Obviously, they were amazing photos, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they were they were speaking to me as far as kind of the emotional side of paintball. I don't know how how you know really you guys were taking it or or trying to push it, but that's how I was taking it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's really interesting the way black and white changes your perception of things. And, and that, it's definitely the stuff that I gravitated to. You know, I think probably when I sort of think back of all my favorite photos from that time, almost almost all of them are, are black and white as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, paintball itself is, is very colorful, or it can be when you yeah. put guys on an airball field and start blowing everybody up with uh, hellfire. <laughs> um, and uh, so... So I think that, yeah, shifting that into a black and white register, like immediately just sort of resets your perception of it and it makes you see it differently. Yeah. Um, And and you're right. I think, you know, maybe for whatever reason, I think we're just sort of trained to like view that black and white differently and maybe with a little bit more emotional content, partially because it's it's not, it's not, you know, the way we see on a normal basis. So it's, it's kind of being, it's, it's run through that filter. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that really resonated with people is, is, you know, we were a full color magazine, but yeah, about half of our pages were actually you know, black and white photos by, by design and not just to cut corners. Yeah. And, and the others were hundred, I want to say hundred percent color with everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so after, after six months, um, mm-hmm. where were you guys sitting? Were you, were, were you guys sitting good confident with what you had as far as uh, uh you know a, a, what what would you call a uh a you know preprint before you actually have the final what would you call that oh you mean before you mean after the magazine had come out or before we were getting ready to release it before you like before you released it were you guys pretty confident in what you had that it was going <laughs> to take off or were you, sure. you kind of like going to put it out there and just yeah. be like well we'll see what happens you know, I mean, I, 
we're excited to be doing it, obviously, if nothing else, you know, because um, it's just, it's what we wanted to do. I uh, wanted to, to make a magazine. Um, got everything set up. We had originally planned, you know, we we did and had planned to debut at the Zap Amateur Open, um, which, you know, at the time was the, you know, really the preeminent trade show of the year, even bigger than the World Cup in, mm-hmm. in, in 99. And um, so we had timed you know, we thought we had timed everything perfectly, but of course we were a little late finishing the issue. Um, and so uh, the first day of the Amateur Open, we were still sitting in Indiana waiting for a truck to deliver all the magazines to our apartment that we were working out of. Um, and, you know, the, the you know, truck eventually obviously comes, we get all the boxes unloaded, cut the first one open and, and have a, just a few minutes to like flip through the magazine. Um, and in that exact moment, I gotta say, I think I can speak for both of us, we were, we were devastated. Really? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we really didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. And, you know, there were just a lot of printing errors. You know, there were black and white photos that printed blue and white. You know, there was color photos that were really muddy. You know, at the time, you know, anytime you do graphic design on a screen, it, it looks different printed for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And back then, you know, monitors were much smaller as well. So, you know, you're not even looking at a full spread. You're looking at little bits of the design. And so, yeah. you know, when you when you enlarge something, it enlarges your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it, it was tough. Like, it was really hard because we, we just kind of met the reality, our expectations met rea- the reality of our abilities, maybe, and our inexperience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we didn't really have time to mope because we were already a day late. So, yeah. uh, so we packed up about 1,000 magazines into, into a borrowed pickup truck and uh, drove straight through to uh, the Amateur Open. And I, I know it was, a, it was a long, quiet drive. Um, you know, we got there, trade show is already in full effect, full, packed full of people, um, you know, and sure enough, there's like in the midst of it all, there's like one little empty folding table, uh, you know, with a piece of masking tape on it that just says paint. And you know, they, they probably figured we were a no-show because nobody had ever heard of us. Right. Um, but yeah, so we show up a day late, uh, set up, put all the put copies of the first issue out on the table for people, sit down behind the table and decide to suck it up. And, um, and it was, it was crazy, honestly, um, like within no time at all, like there were, you know, people were grabbing all the magazines we would give them. <laughs> really? Uh, the response was just incredible, really. Yeah. Um, and it was just, that was sort of like the, another lesson for me, the way that like you as a, you know, as a creator, you always see the thing that you make differently than the audience does. And, and that can go both ways. And, you know, whereas, like, for us, like, I still look at that first issue and cringe, but for the people there, who, you know, they they had no, and first of all, like, we were completely unannounced, like, no one knew to expect it, there was no buildup, um, mm-hmm. so we were really out of nowhere, and no one had really just seen anything like that, I think, at that time, you know, this was a magazine that was entirely created for tournament paintball players, about tournament paintball players, put together by tournament paintball players um, and, you know, something that was, you know, incredibly visual, you know, as we talk about lots of black and white photos, you know, very you know, sort of progressive graphic design um, and just in a, a package that just showed them the thing that they loved in a way that like, you know, maybe in the way that it looked in their head, but, but not mm-hmm. in the way it was being reflected in, in the magazines that they were consuming. 
And so, yeah, we realized before the end of the day that we were going to run out. Um, we didn't bring enough copies. Uh, and so I, I called my parents that night and uh, my, my parents drove about another 2000 magazines to Pittsburgh the next day. Wow. <laughs> Um, so, um, that's, uh, that was, they did, they did us a solid so that we would have enough copies. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing was, you know, after, after the amateur open was, was over, you know, you, you pick up from a paintball tournament like that you clear out of a parking lot and, you know, it's parking lots are just littered with all the promotional materials that people like decide they don't want to take home. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember there was just not a single copy of paint magazine in that parking lot. Um, and that was like. That to me meant a lot because it meant not just that people took it because it was new. It solidified uh, it. Yeah, but like they wanted to take it home, you know. They and that, so that that was when we kind of realized that uh, we were we were onto something. So. Mm -hmm. Who came up with the name? <laughs> who came up with the name and who came up with using eight in, instead of the actual word? Um, I mean, I, I think that is. I'm going to say that I came up with the name, you know, I had a couple ideas and I ran them by Chris Diltz and he sort of said, yeah, that's the one you should use. Um, and you know, it was clearly, you know, we came from skate culture and skate magazine. So, you know, skate has used it, skateboarding has used it for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also that was like the early days of internet forums. And so, you know, in the early internet forums, some people were, um, starting to adopt it, the eight as a sh you know shorthand uh, for their their user profile, um, but but the truth is, I was at a NAPSA Nationals tournament, one of the big amateur tournaments at the time, probably in 1998, um, and there was. Uh, there was a, a, a woman playing with a five-man team, and her jersey said "Paint Girl," and that was it. It was "Paint Girl" with an eight. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what like really stuck it in my head. Um, I'd seen it before. I'd seen it with skate. And I was like, yeah, you know, like it just. And, and for and for every reason, like we over the five years of the magazine, still to this day, we took so much shit from a lot of people who, who just got no end of, of enjoyment by coming up and pointing out that it, it actually says patent. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, but but I think it was the kind of thing is like for us, it was like a very shorthand way of. of Communicating that this is this is a little bit different, and this is maybe coming with like a different set of cultural references. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, for people who got it, you know, I think it was like a, a signifier that they picked up on right away. Yeah, I think visually it looked good. I think that I think it was short and sweet mm -hmm. to the point. And you know, I, why would you nitpick it like that? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like it's it's something new. It's fresh, and I think it's so cool that 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 first experience that you guys had at zap with it filling a void almost i mean and, and you guys saw it instantaneously fill that void which had to have been such a cool experience and and i think that was proof of kind of what paintball needed at the time um mm -hmm. what tournament paintball uh especially needed at the time and what i feel like it needs now um with physical print and i and i think I think Paint Magazine is it's a flipper. It's a table topper, it's a flipper. Um mm -hmm. even even if I may, I would say it's a it's a a shitter holder. <laughs> I, I, because I would say I would I if I had I wish I had my I had a couple old 
I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a place of pride. Oh my gosh, dude. Make I, would, <laughs> I would rather read through that than play some game on my phone or something like that. And I think, I think visually it looks cool because even somebody who maybe doesn't know about paintball or, or tournament paintball or anything like that, it's intriguing sitting on the table and, you know, visually because of the pictures, it's not all set up and this and that like the other magazines kind of did with um with their photography i'm not trying to knock any of the other magazines they were doing their thing i just this this magazine in particular kind of radiate you know had radiance with me mm-hmm. and um i actually let's see i started in 2002 and um so i only got the last couple years of kind of the content of the magazine uh currently as you guys were doing it but um but I, I read and looked at some of the older ones and it was it was cool to see kind of that that whole shift and that sway because I think I think paintball is one of these sports where it's every two I want to say two years uh, it changes mm-hmm. and you know whether it be dramas- drastically or or subtly but I think there it's a two-year turnaround on paintball and I mean do you kind of with your experience and, and with the product that you had, um, did you kind of see that same pattern uh, throughout shooting and, and creating Paint Magazine? Yeah, I I think I, I definitely, and maybe this is just because I've been thinking about so much of it uh, within the context of this book recently. Like for me, I almost, I, I do see it as maybe, actually, yeah, maybe two two periods, you know, within that five years. So I guess that is about two two years. So mm-hmm. you Maybe you're right on. Maybe you have. Maybe you're onto something. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I think the bigger thing is uh, that part of the part of the reason Paint was able to, to be successful, and I, I think that we were a, the package that ended up matching the time in a way that we just didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, imagine like Paint would have been so much different if we had just stayed playing ten man in the woods, you know, with fifteen minute time limits that whole time period. Uh, it just it would not, I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't have worked, but it would have just been a vastly different product. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, the, the third, the third tournament, the, well, the third MPPL we, we covered was world cup 99 world cup 99 was the first event to transition to all concept fields. Um, you know, they started with woods fields and then moved all, all into by the, by the end of the tournament, it was all on hyperball and airball. Yeah. Uh, and that just opened up so many possibilities for us for, for visual storytelling, obviously. Um, but, you know, you think like that the same time, you know, when we were down there at 99 World Cup was when we ran into these guys with video cameras running around uh, filming games um, that, you know, that we didn't know at the time. And, and, you know, and that was, you know, Pat and, and Brian and, and their crew were filming Push. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was clear that like we ended up like we just lucked out in a lot of ways, you know, I, I'd like to take credit for like predicting it, but I, I didn't, it just was, it just sort of lined up that way. And we lucked out that we, we hit right there at a time where paintball was about to go through a visual transformation anyway. Yeah. And it just so happened that the way we were trying to, the way we saw things and portrayed them just mapped perfectly. I thought to this transition, it was already going through. And then, um, we were part of a, a group of other, you know, photographers, filmmakers, uh, and designers who who were who were just really like chomping at the bit to kind of change the way paintball had looked for a long time and, mm. and start to incorporate some of the things that some of the references that that they brought to it and, and, and the perspectives they brought to it and 
you know, I, I think in some ways like paint ended up being kind of like a permissioning mechanism for a lot of people and companies to just try more, try more shit. You know? Yeah. Um, I agree. It's not, and not everything that we tried worked to be fair. Like, you know, <laughs> we, 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 uh, we were very experimental and some of it just didn't work. Um, but it, but it was just like, it was that idea. Like, let's just, let's be experimental. Uh, let's bring all these other influences outside of the sport into it, run it through a blender and try to come up with something that looks unique, but at the same time is still like true to the experience of the, of the player. Yeah. Well, I think it's taking the risk, right? It's, it's taking the risk of, of what you think needs to happen. And I, and what's cool is I think you guys made the magazine for tournament players themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You, you weren't trying to, to push it towards, um, outsiders or this or that. I mean, which it eventually got to, and I think it got some, some legwork that way too, because it was so visually stunning. But, uh, I think the, the general tournament player really enjoyed it, um, from, from the top to the bottom. And I think that's, that's, what's really cool is it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't ad ridden all the time. It, it had content that people actually wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Well, and I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier about like not wanting to talk bad about other magazines and I, I feel that same way, but like the truth is, you know, those other magazines at the time, they were just trying to serve a different audience and, you know, they had a, a different perspective and a different objective and right um you know and, and that's the, and the reason that they didn't resonate with me was i just wasn't clearly the part of that audience and so um you know i think that's a big piece of it uh and you know and to be clear not not everyone loved the magazine from the beginning or mm-hmm. ever you know i mean i think there were a lot of there were definitely people who just didn't get it and it just didn't resonate with them um and, and that was okay too you know i think like I think we were fortunate to come out of an era of sort of, again, like that, that punk mentality of um, you sort of like wear your criticism as a, as a badge of pride mm-hmm. yeah. um, and your, your list of haters as opposed to, I don't know, now sometimes people I think are a little bit more sensitive to, to criticism and we didn't have to deal with social media or anything like that either. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we, we weren't bothered by the fact that some people didn't get it or didn't like it. Um, right. Like, you know, because we never expected everyone to to be into it. Uh, mm-hmm. But what mattered is that the people that it did resonate with um, really identified it and really felt strongly about it, and that was more important to us. Yeah. Do you still have copies of the first issue? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, not very many, though. I will say, uh, one of my greatest regrets is when the uh, the magazine finally ceased uh, when we stopped publishing. Um, I didn't move out everything out of the office and, um, I threw away probably about a thousand copies of paint, uh, just like all the different issues. Um, it hurts, but, my, it hurts my heart. Oh yeah. Uh, but at the time, you know, I mean, I, it was not a good time, uh, for me and, you know, didn't have a place to put them. Didn't seem like anyone was going to ever, you know, want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was care. We were careful to go through and like, get a set number of every issue and then I very carefully broke those out um the crazy you know but I but yeah threw away a good thousand copies crazy thing is um a few years later uh I had a an apartment fire um and a lot of my uh paintball stuff got lost in that fire um I actually I was I'd sublet my apartment 
to uh, to a paintball friend. Um, so I wasn't even there. I wasn't in Chicago. Oh. Uh, but the the downstairs neighbor, um, they, they had a, a fire in the kitchen and took down the place. So I lost a lot of my paintball stuff. That's why I have, don't have a jersey collection. Yeah. Uh, but amazingly, uh, I had I had moved the magazines. When I subletted the apartment, I left a lot of my stuff, but I moved the magazines. Uh, and so the magazines survived, the small collection of the magazines survived the fire. Um, and uh, that's that's one of the things, you know, for the for the book, um, you know, we we pulled out 24 copies of uh, from the, the very limited archive and put those up and let people buy those to help fund the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, we sold them individually, you know, so you could only each person could get one copy. And uh, it was it was amazing to just watch those things go once we launched. Like I want to say they were all gone within a few hours. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, and then we did one set. We, we I just for just for fun, I did one full set for for two thousand dollars. If someone uh, was going to go for it, and that also like was gone in the first twenty four hours. Wow. Yeah. Painful so. players. So that which, which really hurts me when I think about again thousand plus magazines that went into the dumpster. So. Oh yeah, I mean, well let's. Uh, so so what happened? I mean, why, if you can talk about it, I mean, why the uh, the cease of the magazine in two thousand four? I mean, yeah, we can talk a little bit about it. I think one of the things is, uh, you know. I would say a shitty answer would be like, well, why are there no paintball magazines anymore? You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the truth is for us, and that is part of it perhaps, but I think the truth is for us is like we were always a pretty small operation um, and, and we didn't have a lot of operating capital. And that's, you know, one of the things that I didn't understand starting out was how much operating capital it actually takes to run a business. Right. And so, you know, we were kind of always running behind and trying to play catch up in terms of get enough money in the door to, you know, publish uh, an issue. And, and that's that's why the schedule was so irregular. Um, and we definitely caught a lot of shit from people over the years for, for being late and, and justifiably so. And so that's why, you know, in, over the course of those five years we did, um, we did 24 issues. So we ended up being about quarterly, but had aspirations to do more. Um, so we, we were just never very well capitalized. Yeah. And, um, you know, and and then in the end, you know, we were, we were also, you know, we were completely ad driven at the time, you know, so Mm -hmm. all our money came from advertising. Um, you know, this is, you know, before Kickstarter. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and so everyone knows obviously the you know the financial crisis and the recession and, and 2008 2009 you know hit paintball really really hard but there there really was a sort of a little mini recession within paintball around 2004 and um, you know for whatever reason uh, we just went through a, a period there at the end after we'd kind of been struggling to, to you know we don't have to be fair I guess we'd always been struggling to, to keep our head above water um, and I, I think there was, you know, there there was a huge amount of expansion, and I think a lot of people at that time were really banking on this idea that paintball was just like right on the cusp of going really big. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's a difference between if you th- how you run a business if you think that the industry is going to explode in 18 months versus whether you think it's going to take three to five years to mature. And everybody was sort of banking on 18 months and. Um, just a lot of small companies went under at the same time in 2004. Uh, we had a period where 
we I went back and looked at it the other day, and we lost sixty percent of our advertising in six weeks. Um, and that was just like the phone ringing, people pulling ads, and you know, what that meant also is we got saddled with a lot of bad debt um, from people who you know, just didn't have the ability to pay us because they were going out of business. Right. Um, so a, a few companies just started randomly sending us boxes of random gear, uh, clearing out the warehouse, and and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking like guns. I'm talking like squeegees and little generic like soft three packs and tubes. Yeah. Um, and we spent like two months just eBay and all this random stuff just cause it was the only way we were going to get some of our money. Yeah. And, and so at least it, it was something, I guess. Yeah. And so that was the thing. It's like, you know, you never know. It's like, is this like a blip, you know, is things, is, is everything going to rebound? And, and that's one of the reasons why there was never like a hard end to the magazine. Like we never announced this is the final issue. Mm -hmm. Um, cause we, we were just going through that period where, so the industry was was in a bad spot, and we were really struggling to figure out a way to make it work. And, right. Um, you know, in the end, it just it wasn't worth it to us to keep doing it if it meant that we were going to have to so cut back on the quality that it wasn't accomplishing the goals that we had for it. Yeah. Um, and um, and and there was no guarantee that the industry was going to going to rebound, and so um, so we were we were part of a wave of magazines that went down in that sort of 2004 to probably 2005 2006 era um and then and then the the recession hit and then that really took down most of the ones that were left and yeah. so um i mean i yeah yeah i don't know if i was just super super naive which i was um probably still am a little bit but uh with me starting professionally in 2004 i, I guess i never really saw you know any kind of i mean granted it's only been two years like with me starting playing paintball in 2002 and then playing professionally in 2004 um and trying to catch up to the industry and kind of I'm kind of rushed into this thing you know i, I guess i never really saw it I, and i thought at the time paintball was booming in 2004 um 2004 through through 2008 uh, which I think there was, I I think there was a rise through the 2005 and 2007 era. But you know, those three years I think were very good. But I never, I never really saw the 2004 dip. And um, I think maybe part of that reason is <clears throat> we, uh, it was for us, it was a lot of small companies. Yeah. And at the same time, big companies were growing, and also there was consolidation. When you're running a magazine selling advertising, consolidation is bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, you don't you don't want one or two giant companies. Uh, you want a lot of small companies competing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you can sell a lot of advertising. Whereas, you know, a, a company, you know, a company like at the time, you know, PMI might have been doing great, but you know, there's a limit to how many pages of advertising they're going to buy. Right. Um, and so, I think it was it was really, and that's maybe why you didn't see it. Is is, is the top tier companies weren't necessarily feeling that. Um, but a lot of the smaller companies who, you know, who probably themselves were never very cap well capitalized, mm. who were sort of, you know, trying to hang on to their little piece of market share in, in hopes that the, the pie got got bigger fast. And, it, and so that's kind of what it was more so than the big, big companies. I think that's also what I enjoyed so much when I first started playing and first started going to the <laughs> national tournaments are the amount of tents and vendors and Sorry. everything. Oh my God, it was it was overwhelmingly exciting every time 
that I, I went to play a tournament. And having all those companies, I think that's what's, what, what's cool um, in, within the magazine, too, is having all those different ads rather than just the, you know, the big top, you know, whatever paintball uh, conglomerates are. And just having those few ads, having a bunch of them, it's, it's just like it, it's having a tournament inside the magazine, you mm-hmm. know, with, with all oh, of those absolutely. smaller companies. And, um, you know, I, yeah, man, it sucked, especially 2008 for sure, because I was I was so involved in the sport at that time. And then 2008 hit and it was just like, you know, the the, the vendor area just started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Like, man, is this like, is this it? Is this what's this what's going on? Because nobody has money to play paintball, and um, you know, I, I think it definitely comes back. I think just like with anything, I think with the economy, um, I think paintball rides with the economy. But I mean, there's ups, there's downs, there's this, is there's that. But I, I really do think that uh, that there is this this void, and I think culturally too, for some reason, bad '90s. Um, fashion is in for some reason <laughs> like stuff my mom dressed me in when i was like 12 years old is uh popular right now so a lot of old shit is coming back and and is uh i don't mean to call it shit you know what i mean but it's it's like it's all kind of coming back into this uh into this world where i think that people want physical things now um and you know when you know, our generation, we were like, we can't wait to get to the next step of, you know, there's CDs and then there's this and then you have the MP3 player and this and that. Like my niece, she's 14. No, she's 15 now. She has like a CD player. And then she wanted, she also <laughs> wants a cassette player. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Stick with the MP3. If you want, if you want anything, um, go listen to a record like a like a pressed record and then then okay that's fine but like tapes and seed now but i i think there's this whole kind of you know thing going on where people want mechanical tournaments people want old gear people want autocockers people want their shit anodized um you know and and people want magazines to look at and to throw on their tape their coffee tables and um with what you guys are doing uh, I want to kind of get more detail about it with what what exactly you guys are doing and, and how you're trying to fund it. Um, I, I think is a great time more than ever to uh, to try and pull it off. Yeah, again, you know, in the same way we lucked out on the timing the first time around, uh, we kind of are lucking out in some ways here as well. Um, yeah. uh, I will say though, you know, I I, I'm, I love the the mech revival. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really good for the sport um, for a lot of reasons, and uh, happy that it's happening. At the same time, you know, I, I hope that backwards isn't the only direction that paintball has to move in still. Right, right. And and so I think as much as people probably see this project as being part of that kind of throwback nostalgia boom, and, and it is, I get that. I, I really hope that by not just sort of focusing on the, you know, the 99 mechanical, you know, in the woods era, but rather showing, you know, like showing that progression through that time period of of the path that paintball took and why it took that path um, in, you know, not just what was lost, but also what was gained Mm -hmm. in that evolution. Um, I don't know. I, I hope like my, 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 wildest aspiration would be that this will be a, a way for people to kind of 
you know, reset their expectation and maybe sort of think a little bit more ambitiously about, you know, not just moving back in a backwards direction, but like, you know, how, how do you take this and move it forward? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, there's, I've had so many people like, Oh, this is the way this is, this is how you make paintball popular again. This is, this is how you get people together. And I'm, and, and how you push paintball forward. And, you know, I, like I, I enjoy the mechanical side. I love not shooting a lot of paint, but only when I need to. Kind of a thing. that's my whole weird mm-hmm. front player mentality of every sure. little paintball means something. It's just how I fucking came up, you know, whatever. But um, I think that just like you said, it's it's we hope that it's not the only direction that it needs to move forward. Because thinking about it, like we all enjoy doing it because we experienced it, right? Mm-hmm. But the newest generation of players might not want to shoot an autococker or, um, you know, a, a mechanical marker, even though I don't know if you've shot one yet, but the fucking Emacs from Planet Eclipse are ridiculous that they're rental markers. That's my full-time marker now. I got rid of all my markers. I just have an Emac, and I'm just, like, murking people with an Emac. It's, it's amazing. But um, and, and no one will ever think that those things are broken. No rental player will ever think that anymore. It's going to be way too easy to shoot. It's just, it's ridiculous. They're going to be spoiled. But anyway, um, uh, I, I, shout, shout, shout out to Jack Wood, the first oh uh, technical God. editor of Paint Magazine. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did some of our early early reviews. No, I, I need to, I need to go back and read some articles, man. I really do. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that I think. I'm kind of in the air and on the fence about the mechanical side. I think it's amazing. I love playing it now. I'm I'm glad I'm kind of getting involved in that world because I never really got to play the 10-man side of of the game. But at the same time, it's like I, I don't know if that is going to be the only thing needed to kind of push paintball forward or to get the next generation involved or, or this or that. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to catch shit for this, but I, I think it's true. I think we... I think we enjoy it because we were kind of involved in that world at some point in time, and then it's giving guys who haven't played in a long time an excuse to go out and play again, which is great. I mean, that's what we need, but we also need to figure out new and and intriguing ways to involve the new generation of players onto the tournament side, which is completely opposite of you know what we're playing mechanically so it's we need to find that happy medium and and maybe it's somewhere in between um to keep pushing paintball forward and not think it's just tournament side or not it's it's just mechanical side you know what i mean it's we need to find and figure it out and you know i don't think i don't think it's the league's responsibility i don't think it's the the major company's responsibility i think it's you know, I, I think it comes down to the players themselves and uh, in making their word heard. If uh, if I get all Dr. Susie, but I I think that is what needs to happen. Is you know, paintball players themselves are the ones that need to grow the sport and kind of push the direction of which which where it needs to go. If you if that's true, if yeah. you think. <laughs> <laughs> No, no worries. You started lagging a little bit on on you. That's all. That's all. Oh, that's I all right. Second, <laughs> you're like but. straight faced, and I'm like, well, I thought, I thought it was it was, was a good rant. Like, I was like, oh, he's ranting. he's ranting. You know? <laughs> no, I do absolutely. that so much I mean, on this damn show. No, I, I think I think it's just like I hope like like I said again. I think it's great the the sort of the revival. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to sort of go back and 
and think really hard about like what what did we what did we lose in the process of, of getting paintball to where it is now mm-hmm. um you know because there's always sacrifices along the way um and i think it's it's been great to sort of you know bring fun back in uh to parts of it i think that's definitely something that was there and that's something that you know we talked about and it's actually in some of the early interviews um you know pat uh pat Swara from you know from you know monkey with a gun now you know this is in the context of push you know mm-hmm. you know he had seen some of this happen you know with like skate and snowboarding you know and up, up close before he did got into paintball and, and he was basically saying you know as paintball gets big as more money comes in you know it's going to grow it's going to get more intense it's also going to be less fun yeah um and and he was right you know um it's, it's going to be less about just you know a bunch of friends playing for bragging rights and you know one thing that he said early on is he said you know you're going to see you're going to see players start to bounce back and forth between teams a lot more than they do now which was really it was really kind of eerie reading that you know going back and looking at that in 99 and thinking yeah. about how quick came true you know um because back then you know yeah a lot of times like you played on a team for life you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh and he was right you know i, I think in the process of, of of you know sort of professionalizing the sport and growing the industry and, and sort of reorienting it around like a you know, you know sort of moving the competitive piece more to the center of it um you know there are sacrifices that were made along the way and i think this yeah. is a chance to kind of go back and, and think about those and you know, maybe there are pieces that, you know, we do want to kind of rescue and, and bring forward, um, you know, to the future. I, but again, you know, I, I think it's like, I, I totally see why people might see this within a, a context of, of nostalgia, but you get right down to it. This is, this isn't a book about looking backwards so much as it's a book about five years of people trying really hard to push a sport forward, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really the story. Um, it's like these you know, incredibly passionate, dedicated, creative people who were just accelerating this, a sport in a way that it had never seen before through that period and introducing all this new stuff. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the, the trade shows being used to be bigger. Like that was a time where it wasn't that a new product came out every month. It was that a new company launched every month. Yeah. Like there was a moment where like there was that much acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were companies making accessories for markers. Yeah, and and just barrel companies and just, yeah. you know that's, that's crazy. <laughs> so so yeah, so I, I and again I you know I I certainly don't have the answer. You know I I've been out of the sport for a very long time, um, though I I've tried to like keep tabs on it. Um, and you know I don't have the answers at all. But I oh def- yeah, me neither. I definitely think that you know this is a good time for for people sort of to take stock and and you know hopefully hopefully some people will be inspired to do the next, I don't want to say the next paint magazine, but the next whatever, you know, whatever right. it is that, uh, you know, that, that, that niche or that hole, that void that they see in, in paintball that they can fill. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, you brought up Pat and I think, I think paint magazine and, and Pat and kind of his style went really well together. Um, visually um you know on the screen his side was uh was storytelling and mm-hmm. i think on paper your guys your guys's whole setup was you know pretty much the same thing and i think it went hand in hand for me Absolutely. Uh, coming up but um but it's funny you, you say that pat kind of was he was almost predicting these things mm-hmm. and there were two things that pat told me 
that I mean he told me a lot of shit but these two kind of like for some reason stuck in my head um, and I'm sorry Pat I didn't forget everything you told me just <laughs> <laughs> but he said that uh, music was going to turn into just noises and I think that was the whole kind of dubs you know turning into dubstep and everything like that and coming into play and then he said if you he, he told me if you want to really push yourself forward and become a star or or become uh noticed it, you're gonna have to start filming yourself and doing the whole youtube thing mm-hmm. and just you know just record yourself every day and post mm-hmm. it and that was kind of on the beginning of uh you know that was like 2006 7 8 and that when everything kind of started happening with with social media and all these you know with youtube and everything started coming out and i kick myself all the time in it because i i i should have started doing it and i think the more i don't know i was always on like you know the fence on with social media and everything because I, I feel like it's it's great to get involved in and I think if on a business side it, it obviously works but at the same time it, I feel like it can be so consuming um, even for for someone who is a content creator I feel like just because you're creating content and doesn't necessarily that you're not mean that you're not a consumer um, you know because you have to, I think it you have to be 70 30 at that point you have to be consuming to in order to um, make the content created for whatever your your niche is, you know, whatever it is. Um, but he, he, yeah, he told me those two things, and it's like, man, he just kind of he had this way about him of of knowing um, what needed to happen and and what even paintball itself needed at the time, uh, you know, on the movie side of it. And you guys were just falling in place um, right there on the on the printed side, so. I think both sides were were really key to my growing up and, and playing. But um, enough of my rant. <laughs> no, I mean I, I talk. Was... I talk so damn much. I, I keep. I do this all the time. I have somebody on, and I start. I start on one subject, and then I just my the way my silly little ape brain works is I start thinking about things as I go, and then I just add minutes to my rant, and I just kind of. Everybody who listens to this probably knows exactly every time I'm going to start ranting or I'm going to start uh, on a subject. But it's like it's but I, I, I say it because I'm passionate about it. And it's not because, you know, I, I just want to get my point across. It's just because what I I feel what paintball needs or, or you know, it's it's my opinion, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I try and be as forward thinking as possible and really what I think uh, paintball needs. And that's what I'm trying to do with the platform anyway. Yeah. No, I, I totally see that. And yeah, you know, I mean, just talking about, you know, Pat and, you know, after, it was in right after World Cup in 99. Um, I went down to San Diego and stayed with Pat and Brian for a few days um, to interview him for the magazine. And that was the first time I really got to like hang out with those guys and, 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 and know, meet them. Um, and uh, and yeah, Pat had like the first couple of issues of Paint Magazine, like on his on his desk at his editing bay, nice. uh, which was awesome. I was so excited to see that. Um, they were huge. You know, they were Brian and Pat were huge fans of the magazine already. And I was like, we had like maybe three or four issues had come out at that point. Um, and at the end, like Pat gave me a, a VHS tape that he dubbed for me uh, that had 
I want to say, you know, maybe like five minutes of footage from Push at that time that he had been working on. And but one of them was like the three and a half minute clip of uh, the the black and white section of you know the the final game between Aftershock and Iron Man and sort of like <laughs> focusing on Aftershocks sort of you know losing that game basically. Yeah. Right? Um, or no, I just get that wrong. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Yeah, winning that game. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, <laughs> The book will be fact checked. This interview will not. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't have a fact checker sitting next the, to me at all. The, the point was, um, sorry, sorry for taking that one away from them. Uh, the point was, like, <laughs> it's that, been done before. Yeah, has it not? <laughs> it's yeah. That it, um, I was thinking of the dynasty match. Yep, yep. Uh, that that was that was there too. Uh, but no, but I mean that. But that that's sort of a three minutes black and white section. Um, you know, set to music, set to that song. Uh, I mean, I probably watched that over the next couple of months. I probably watched that 50 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that was just, yeah, there were a couple of people like that. Um, you know, uh, Luis Salcedo was another photographer at the time. He was, he had been the lead photographer for JT uh, and then um, left and was the lead photographer for uh, Die for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was another person who just, you know, uh, another San Diego guy who uh, he was, there were just like a handful of people like that at that time who, you know, we all like had these influences outside of paintball, whether it was skate, snowboarding, motocross. And we yeah. had seen how other industries had done this. And we were just frustrated by why paintball was just continuing to sort of imitate itself and, and wasn't willing to kind of, in some ways just wasn't willing to take itself seriously. Right. Uh, and, and try to approach things. Um, like it was still a backyard sport. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that was kind of the thing is like we that was like the one one of the things about paint, about paint that, that really resonated with people, I think, is we just we took the players seriously. It's like we understood right. like this was actually really important to them. This, you know, tournament players, especially who are competing. Um, this means something to them. It's real. It has a lot of value. Yeah. And, and we tried to, to treat it like that. Um, you know, I think like this is the the first issue of you know, the first issue of paint, you know, we ran, I think it was like a, I think it was an eight page interview with, with lockout at the time. And, you know, we went to their hotel room and just hung out, and, you know, drank beers and interviewed them for like over two hours. Um, Channel. And, Channel and, uh, big city. Yeah. I remember all those guys. And, those guys and, and that was just, you know, and then we, and we put them in a the profile and that profile was literally, uh, you know, them sitting in a hotel room drinking beer, you know, talking to us. <laughs> Like those are the photos, uh, but but I think that was something that like anybody who's ever played paintball at a tournament like can relate to hanging out in a hotel room with your team and just mm-hmm. you know getting late into the night and and if you were playing in you know at that time you were definitely drinking beer, oh, yeah. um, maybe less so now, um, but uh, so that was something that you know one it was like we took them serious enough to like devote that kind of attention to them and that, uh, to listen to them and do that kind of an in depth profile like you, you, know, you would maybe see in, you know ma- you know a magazine of a band say mm-hmm. um but also just like you know that we were willing to sort of show them in that light that in a way that was very recognizable for players it's like here's this pro team that was on the cusp of becoming an incredibly successful pro team yeah. uh but at the same time you know at the end of the day they're still staying in the sh- same shitty motel that you are uh, and so and still do <laughs> well most i'm assuming so, or maybe so it was just was- an aftershock thing <laughs> Yeah. And so that was part of it. I think it was just like, let's, you know, let's kind of show this in a way that um, it's not just, I don't want to say made 
made paintball look cool because I don't think that was really the objective. It was like, let's sort of treat it with the seriousness that the players themselves treat it because um, it's really important to them. Yeah. And it was important to us to, to show it that way. I think it came across as so. I, I really do. So, I mean, so if, if, if people don't know who's listening, um, <laughs> what is this book and, uh, and, and, how can somebody get involved in the process sure. or, or, or really, you know, have it in their uh, possession? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've done a to- terrible job of, uh, of marketing this book on this call so far, but uh, <laughs> well, we've, we've given a good background on, no. <laughs> we've built it up. No, no, absolutely. So, yeah. So I guess, you know, there came a, what I would say, the way I would sort of look at this, or the easiest way to understand it is, you know, this is, I describe it as a photo book, because uh, I think it's going to feel like a photo book when you actually, you know, people finally get it in their hands. Um, it's going to be, you know, very visual, kind of going back to visual storytelling and, and sort of that being the thing that, that I was most interested in. Um, and uh, as well as, you know, certainly Chris Diltz and, and, and the other guys who worked with me. Uh, and so, but it, but it, but it's we're going to have a lot of story as well, you know, because we have we have just have so much material, both from the stuff that was published in Paint Magazine in those twenty four issues, tons of stuff that was unpublished, tons of interviews, um, you know, thousands upon thousands of photos. Uh, there's a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to kind of get our hands around that, I decided that it's it's not the story of Paint Magazine so much as it's the story of those years. Right. Uh, you know, so it really is going to focus on 99 to 2004 because that's the material we have. So in that way, it's a little bit more like making a, a documentary of something that's past and you don't have the opportunity to kind of go back and do more footage of. Um, so it's taking all that stuff plus our personal experience um, and putting it into a book that really tells the story through our lens, through our eyes. Uh, of the of the view that we had on tournament paintball as it went through that incredible period of acceleration where you had everything from moving out of the woods to concept fields um you know you had the introduction of electronic guns um you know you had the you know the the creation of x-ball the split between the two leagues uh, two competing leagues, creation of Super 7 and 7-man. You know, you've got, like, classic teams, like the last era of, like, the classic 10-man aftershock. Um, you've got, like, the classic first sort of superstar avalanche team at their mm-hmm. height uh, and then breaking up um, for, for all the reasons that we'll get into in the book. Uh, you know, you have, um, you know, you have the first pro tournaments for players like Oliver Lang. Um, and then eventually the creation of Dynasty, um, you know, all went down in that time period. You have all the, you know, the, the politics around trying to get paintball on TV uh, and how that kind of went down. Um, so it's, it's been, you know, I could, we could go on. You know? It's a juicy time period. Yeah, you know, and so it really is. I mean, it, it, if anything, there's too much, you know, and so that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> is how do you sort of distill that into sort of like a very visual package that kind of tells that story. It's a great uh, plot. But, yeah. You know, and, but and again, you know, I, we're, we're focusing on tournament paintball exclusively, um, you know, in the same way the magazine did. So, you know, we're not trying to necessarily give like the big picture of like the paintball industry necessarily. We're not going to have like sales figures for the industry quarter by quarter. Yeah. Um, That's fine. But, um, <laughs> uh, but again, you know, I, I think it's about, 
it's about five years of, of people trying to push the industry forward more than it is about looking back. You know, I think, um, you know, I always think about like in extreme sports, you know, the, the whole idea is based around you have, you have a trick that, that can't be done. And so, you know, one guy says, you know, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And he goes out and just keeps practicing until he does it. Um, and then what happens as soon as one person perfects a trick, then, then two or three people figure out how to do it. And, and then the next thing you know, like, every pro competitor in that sport can now do this trick that was impossible it's a standard years ago right yep. and, and it gets incorporated into sort of their their repertoire and it becomes part of the foundation of, of that sport you know and that's i mean that's what progression is um and and so i just think this was like an amazing period where people were just really trying to like try new things and incorporate new things and the stuff that worked was just very very quickly assimilated into into the industry and into the culture yeah. and the style of play um and, and it, it's it's really i think a story of like what it's like to to try to you know to try to take a sport to the next level uh to really to like focus on progression but also again like you know it's not all it's not all happy you know there mm -hmm. there's setbacks and, and there's questions about like what do you sacrifice along the way um you know what what's the cost of doing that um so I think there's a bit of that in there too. Um, now, yeah. if uh, if people want to contribute, how do they how do they do so? For sure. So you know we are we are all doing this. I guess you know one thing that that we always wanted to be clear is like this we're not we're not bringing Paint Magazine back. This isn't a, a revival. This is like the the, the crew of guys. Um, so to, just to be clear, it's myself. It's Chris Diltz, who is the photo editor and main photographer for Paint. The whole you know, the whole five years that we were around. Dan Meridian, who was a photographer and designer that worked with us. Also Dan Napoli, um, who was our music editor at the time, um, <laughs> who's of course gone on to do a few other things. Uh, quite Just a, a couple. Quite, quite a few excellent paintball videos, uh, among other things. Um, as well as, that's kind of the four core people. Uh, Matt, Matt Marshall's helping us out a little bit. Uh, you know, Matt was a huge part of Paint Magazine. Um, uh, and uh, as well as Aaron Moore and Sarah Duckwall are people uh, we kind of kept in touch with are still going to be involved in the, in the project. So it's been really fun for me to sort of reconnect with a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, some of them, some of them I see all the time still, others less so. Um, so it's sort of a lot, of, a big, a big chunk of the people that, that were behind paint getting back together and then doing this, you know, as you know, doing this as a project because we want to do it. So um, it's it's entirely. Uh, you know, I guess labor of love is the cliche, but what we mean is like we're just taking all the money we raise and we're just going to put it back into the book because we want yeah. the book itself to, to be the thing, and then that's kind of it. You know, this isn't going to live beyond that. Um, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned on Facebook the other day, like you know, come back and come back in 30 years for the for the 50th anniversary edition. So, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so we you know, but that said, like we really want this to be a nice book, and that means it's going to be an expensive book to produce, like coffee table this kind of coffee table book um or bathroom book if you will um, <laughs> make a pamphlet is, version for the bathroom <laughs> uh, it's gonna be like nicest bathroom book ever um <laughs> but uh but no it, you know it's expensive to produce and so you know we just are not a position that we can't just afford to uh you know to print ten thousand of them and warehouse them and then just sell, sell them you know right. to whoever over the next five years so uh you know we decided to do a crowdfunder through kickstarter uh, again, the kind of thing that was not an option to us in 1999. We were thinking about how to start the magazine. 
Um, so we set our initial goal at $20,000 because that's what I figured it would cost to print about 500 books. Um, obviously, there's, there's economies of scale, and the first few books that you print are the most expensive because all the expenses have to get absorbed in that. Mm-hmm. So, so roughly, I guess, I figured that 20000 was like the bare minimum that we, we need to, run to, to, uh, to raise in order to do the book the way we wanted to do it. And I and honestly, there again, we had no idea like what the response would be. Like this is a magazine that stopped publishing 15 years ago, um, made by a bunch of people who've been out of the industry for a while. And, yeah. uh, but um, sure enough, like we were we were blown away by the response. Um, we hit our goal. We hit our twenty thousand dollar goal in less than 24 hours. Um, we are almost at forty thousand now, uh, which is awesome. Um, one of the things we're going to be announcing in just a couple of days, so this will either be just announced by the time this goes live, or this will be breaking news for for listeners. <laughs> um, we are uh, we are going to do a stretch goal, which basically means if we can between now and the deadline, which is uh, August 29th, um, if we can reach at least fifty thousand dollars, we're at forty thousand now. So if we can reach at least fifty thousand dollars in funding. Um, we're going to dramatically expand the page count of the book. Uh, so right now, we originally planned to do about 250 pages, mm-hmm. uh, which for that kind of coffee table book is pretty legit. Uh, but if we can do 50,000, uh, raise $50,000, we're going to expand to 350 pages, uh, which is a pretty big step up. Oh, yeah. Like an extra 100 pages of content. Um, and I'm excited about that just because there's so much to put in there that it is not easy to figure out what makes the cut. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm hopeful that we can do that. Uh, I think it'll make uh, a better book and it'll get more good stuff in there. Um, so it's on Kickstarter. Um, I will say anyone who goes to Kickstarter right now and searches for paintball, we're going to do the first thing that comes up. Okay, uh, that was my next question. Was yeah. what are you going to type in to find it? Yeah, if you go to Kickstarter.com and type in paintball, we're going to be the first thing that comes up. With an so eight? The name, the, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So the, the name of the book. The name of the book is famous. Famous with an eight. Um, there you go. The, the campaign we called paintball famous just to make it easier for people to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and that's why we're on social media as paintball famous with an eight in famous F eight M O U S. But. Um, but yeah, you can also go to paintballfamous.com. Again, the eight in this is in famous and not paintball. So uh, paintballfamous with an eight.com. And that'll just redirect right to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, but yeah, so basically, and we set it up. So the basic level is 30 bucks for the book. That's, that's kind of about what it's going to cost us to, to print. So we're breaking even on that. And then we have other levels where people can kick in more uh, if they want to help fund the project um it's 50 dollars level you get your name in the book as somebody who backed um and then there's others there's some other cool stuff you can do prints uh which i'm really excited about basically we're going to say like any any photo in the book um that you want or if it's a photo in an old paint magazine if you got laying around uh you just let us know and uh we'll do like a nice um 11 by 17 print of that um And so that's kind of, you know, that, that's like a lot. That's literally people have, you know, hundreds of photos they could conceivably choose from. So, you know, mm-hmm. the odds, if you were a player during that time, like there's a really good chance, like, you know, you could pick a photo of you or your team at least. And, and otherwise you could easily pick a, a photo of a favorite team or player. That um, one you sent of me on, uh, in, on Tip and Effect was pretty cool. 
Yeah. I, I've never seen that one before, and I was like, man. Yeah, that's unpublished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really that was really cool. I was like, I never never seen it before, and uh, man, brought back a lot of memories because that was that was at a seven man, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know which one, but. Um, yeah, yeah, it would have been. I think it was L.A. Maybe. It was an MPPL for sure. Um, I want to say, but yeah, it might have been. It was definitely seven man. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there's other ways, you know, different levels, different wards. Uh, another cool thing that we're doing is for, this is I know this has confused a lot of people. I've gotten questions about this is you know back in the day when we print did, when we everything was shot on film, so we either use color slide film or we use black and white film. Uh, to, to see your black and white film, you have to then print it in positive because it's very hard to tell from a negative um, if, if, if a photo's good. Mm-hmm. So you know, we would print contact sheets, which basically is just a one-to-one transfer. So a contact sheets about you know eight by ten piece of photo paper, black and white, and it reproduces one roll of film basically. So about 30, 33 photos at about you know an inch by you know three quarters of an inch, whatever the dimensions are. Um, so you can see not just the photos that we use, but an entire roll of film that was shot That's cool. uh, all on one piece of photo paper. And then we would hand mark those with grease pencil to mark which which photos that we were thinking about using, and, and those would then get scanned digitally, and that's how you know we made the magazine. So we, we still have these. We have hundreds, you know, hundreds, yeah, hundreds of these, um, and it's just a really cool process piece uh, because it allows you to see not just the photo that got used, but all the photos that were shot at that same time mm-hmm. around that um, that didn't get used. Um, and so that's another reward that we're putting in there. We're, uh, making some of those available, uh, those old school contact sheets if people want to get one of those. Yeah. Uh, and I, love gonna... all, I love all the backstage stuff. I, oh. I love the, the curtain pulling and <laughs> seeing the actual process and, 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 uh, that's, that kind of stuff is really cool to me. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing that's important though to mention is like, this is a limited edition book. And so I would say that backing it through Kickstarter is the only way to guarantee that you're going to get a copy, because mm-hmm. um, you know we're at some point we're going to have to set our print run, and you know again you know we don't we don't have the the funding to overprint ten thousand of these and just keep them in a warehouse forever. Right. So um, the campaign ends on 29th, so we can well we can there's less relevant to when people are listening to this. So August 29th uh, is the deadline. Uh, and that, that's the one thing I we really want to make sure that people understand is uh, the last thing I want is, is everybody hitting me up, you know, six months from now being like, dude, I want to get a copy. Yeah. You, know, you know, why didn't you order one? So uh, and, that, and that's, again, just sort of that's it's, it's this is the only way for us to, to make this happen. Um, we didn't even know it was going to happen. You know, there's a really good chance that we thought there was a good chance we wouldn't be able to raise enough money. And, and, and so it goes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been awesome. I, you know, what's really been cool as well is, is in the first 24 hour, I, I mean that I'd say like of the first hundred orders, I probably recognized 95 of the people <laughs> who order books, but of the most recent hundred orders that we've received, I don't even know if I recognize five names. Really? Um, so it, it's kind of reached that point where it started to pass beyond like that group of like hardcore tournament players from that era. And I think it started to reach, you know, hopefully uh, a different sort of era of, of younger players, um, which, uh, which that's kind of exciting. So I oh, think, yeah. for, you know, for those people, they're going to be seeing a lot of this stuff for the first time. Um, and hopefully that's like really, uh, 
Yeah, so I think that, that'll be fun. Also, since it's been so long since, you know, I think paintball players have had that kind of printed product in their hand. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, what do, what do you want to see in the book? Dude, I want everything. <laughs> I want everything in the book. <laughs> no, I, I want that, um, you know, obviously you're you saying, guys... You're saying 3,000 pages. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's the least amount of pages that I want. But, you know, I want... Um, as much as it doesn't matter what I want, I, 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 I want you guys to go back and, and kind of create the story again, you know, create the feeling that you guys did with, with paint magazine. And, and I just, I put my trust in your guys' process. And, um, I mean, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see the emotional side of paintball. Um, everybody sees action shots and this and that, but I, I like seeing the ones where, you know, guys are distressed after a match because they lost and you know hearing the stories of uh, of not just wins but but losses and and fights and this and that i like the the gritty grungy uh kind of stuff and i i have 100 percent confidence that uh that you guys are going to produce and and i'm going to pick up my copy uh, or at least reserve my copy right after this <laughs> nice yeah um, yeah, that like I said, that's kind of really a challenge right now is figuring out how to uh, how to condense all that stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, it's also a lot of fun. You know, it's it's you know one of the things that was the most fun for me doing the magazine. I really enjoyed was um, you know we get back from events and just you know staying up late at night by myself and just going through you know hundreds and hundreds of photos from the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just even you know, really spending a lot of time with them was just a, an amazing experience. And especially, you know, when at the times when we were able to bring, you know, three or four photographers to an event, because one of the things that's like a challenge, especially back in the day, is like a paintball tournament happens like in all directions at once mm-hmm. and you can't possibly see it all, you know? Um, yeah. Everything's so, happening at, at yeah. an event. Everything's happening <laughs> every day <laughs> for as long as you're there. Yeah. And so that's kind of why, you know, I would, I would never call this the, the definitive, you know, history of, of, of tournament paintball or anything like that. Uh, because I, I think that's the reality is like you, like no one person can see everything and take it mm-hmm. in. So, you know, this was, this is our perspective on it. Um, yeah. I think we saw a lot, <laughs> I think during those five years, I don't know that there was anybody who, who watched more games in paintball. You know, there were some people who watched as many, um, but, um, but we were, we were in it for a solid period. And so, um, so yeah, so I mean, I think we saw a lot, and this is kind of our our take on that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be. Um, it's just it's it's just amazing to go back again. I know I've already said this, but it's just amazing to go back and just look at how fast things accelerated during mm-hmm. that time. Um, and you know, even you know, even something like X Ball, you know, the first um, you know the first X Ball exhibition, the Nations Cup, was played at the at the Zaf Amateur Open. And, you know, it just kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't really know what to make of it, um, you know. And, and then, what, within six months, you know, we're, we're winding down Pro 10 Man and all the teams are, are, are supposed to shift, shift over to the new format. And it was just just crazy to look back and, and realize, like, how fast that happened. You know? Yeah. Uh, and there were so many things like that. Um, there was a know. huge transition era. Yeah. It, it was huge. I mean, and it was – there was – you know, with with X Ball, and then the, everything that happened with Infamous, mm-hmm. and and you know <clears throat> Dynasty not jumping over to X Ball, yeah. You know, and and uh, at least the the 
the big tournament side of it, the actual X-Ball field side of it with uh, the franchise side. And yeah, it was, it was, man, it was a, it was a crazy time because I had to catch up so soon getting into that era so late, but it was like, it was just, it was, man, like I remember when I, when I came in, it was with your guys' magazine, um, it was exciting. I mean, just that, that era of paintball was so exciting and it was so loud, you know, and I, I think that that's what was, what was cool about it. And, uh, and yeah, man, it just, it was, it changed so quickly. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think if you had taken me, you would taken us in 99 and sort of like dropped us into the first Huntington beach or, you know, dropped us into world cup 2004 where, you know, ESPN was filming the NXL finals. Um, I, I think our heads would have exploded <laughs> like it, cause it was in such a short amount of time, it, it moved so much further. Like we had ambition clearly, and we had an idea of where we wanted the sport to go in 99, right. but, but we just never in a million years thought it would get there that fast. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and in some ways, you know, I, 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 I had, you know, I hate the way that pain magazine ended. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like we, had, by that point, we had accomplished a lot of what we had set out to accomplish. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we, we wanted to, you know, be part of helping paintball, you know, change the way it, it looked at itself and how it showed itself to the world. You know, we also like it was important to us that you know that the the pro scene and the competitive scene be more foundational to the sport. Like when I started playing in, in Southern Indiana, like the only the closest we came to ever seeing a pro team is um, players used to wear on their goggles uh, these little die cut stickers that said "Pros suck." And that was it. Like that was your that was my understanding of what the pro circuit was. Is yeah. All I knew is that, that they, pros existed and they sucked. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, like, think, like, what other sport teaches or treats their professional athletes that way? Yeah. Um, it, it was just, it, it was so strange. And, and when we first said, you know, we wanted to do a magazine that focused on, on tournament paintball, on pro players, people were, there was like, well, why would, why would anyone other than a pro player want to read about a pro player or mm-hmm. care about a pro player? Which, of course, like, flies in the face of, like, every professional sport ever, you know. It's like, why would a basketball player care about the NBA if they weren't in the NBA? Right. I mean, that's a ridiculous question. And, and so, you know, so much of, of part of what I, I should say, part of what we wanted to do was, like, take the pro scene, which seemed like it was really on the fringes and like, was being kind of, like, pushed to the fringes by a lot of people in the industry. Certainly not everybody, but by a lot of people and players and kind of move it back in and, and where it should be which is in the center of the industry and Mm -hmm. i think you know pro sports should always be aspirational um like you know even and and i think you know paint magazine was was very much aspirational you know and so you know and that's you know it's okay like we all in the back of our heads know that you know we're probably not going to play in the nba or probably not going to you know play in major league baseball but you know as a, as a kid and a young person playing like that's that's still what drives you on some level yeah um and you know and in paintball it's actually not it's still not as a long much of a long shot you know I, it maybe is a little bit more approachable still for people and so you know a lot of it was like presenting it in a very aspirational way where, where people could recognize themselves, but also see like, yeah, this is, you know, this is where I want to, where I want to be. And, um, 
it was it was it was it was cool to see like to talk to to pro players you know who who grew up <laughs> reading paint magazine mm-hmm. and they were able to to get there so yeah well it's it's been a big part of my my coming up uh you know being able to have that as uh, as just a reference and as a uh, as a reminder that you know being a professional means something and um you know it, to me it did Mm-hmm. So I, I thank you for that. I thank all you guys for that. So, um, yeah, man, I, thank you so much for, uh, for, for doing this. And if, if anybody has any questions about the, uh, about the book or, you know, anything can, where can they contact you at or where would you like them to kind of be directed to? Sure. Um, so in addition to the website, which will take you to the Kickstarter page, uh, so the website's paintballfamous.com. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook, uh, at paintball famous for both of those. You can hit us up on either of those. Also, we set up an email account, um, that we are, we are keeping an eye on, which is just paintball famous again with an eight at Gmail. Um, if people want to just drop us a line that way as well. Um, all those are good. You know, we're, we're trying to keep tabs on everything, uh, in terms of whether people have questions or opinions, (laughs) (laughs) or just want to give us some, some encouragement, uh, uh, that, and again, that, that's been really awesome to sort of see, um, see some of the reactions, uh, from people. I mean, again, that's one thing that we didn't have back in the day with social media does give you that, that those instantaneous reactions, which can, yeah. can be nice. Uh, so that's sort of a, a piece of it. Um, but yeah, any of those will work. Um, again, yeah, deadlines, August 29th. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I guarantee, you know, I don't know if I can uh, offer a money back guarantee, but um, I, I think this is going to be something people are going to really enjoy. I feel like, you know, as we, we talked about me throwing away a thousand copies of Paint Magazine in a dumpster on a sad afternoon, um, you know, a lot of people, their magazines have been lost or burned up in a fire or thrown away or eaten by the dog, you know, mm-hmm. those that had them. So we were aware, like, a lot of this stuff just doesn't exist in the world anymore because it was all really wasn't pre-internet, but, you know, we never really had much of an internet um, presence. It was very much a print project in the early days of internet, certainly pre-social media. Right. So, you know, a lot of stuff's just gone. And um, I think the hope is that we can make a book that is is nice enough that people will want to hold on to it and, you know, maybe be able to take it down off the shelf and, and read it, you know, five years from now, 20 years from now, you know show your grandkids, you know, <laughs> this is what yeah. we used to do, you know, uh, back when we played paintball, um, and have it be something people can keep with them and, and have a piece of, uh, of history that, uh, that lasts. Yeah. It's going to be great, man. I can't, I can't wait. And, uh, um, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, well, I, I will say this, uh, I, I think Dan Napoli recommended your podcast when I was starting to do some of my, uh, my research, uh, a couple, uh, probably about six months ago. And I, I was like, I need, I need to really start, you know, honing up on, on some of the more recent stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I definitely binge listen to maybe a dozen episodes when I, when I came across it. Um, Thank you. So it was, it was fun to, to hear you talk and some of the guys, you know, that you had on there, you know, I, I think like, I don't know, the last, maybe last thing I'll say is, uh, for a long time, you know, we were like the young punks in the beginning, and I was always like looking over my shoulder for like the next young punks. <laughs> like I, I understand that's that's how it works. You know, anybody yep. who plays sports as well understands that's how it works. Nobody stays on top forever. Um, 
and you know, and that didn't never really happen. I, I felt like there was never anyone during the, the years that we were publishing that kind of tried to like took a shot at us and tried to knock us off the pedestal in terms of like taking that same place. But once we were gone, I was like, all right, now's the chance. You know, some some young kids should start a magazine and try to like fill that gap and fill that space. And I was really disappointed for a long time um, that that no one really moved in and filled that space. Yeah. Um, and it and it wasn't until I mean I would say I think it's funny because you half referenced this earlier but maybe it was in you know 2012 when uh you know when cassidy started putting out those first hk videos mm-hmm. uh the the dubstep highlight videos um i saw one of those and and i immediately was like this is paint magazine yeah like, this is like this is this attitude this is a young you know certainly someone who's younger than me who's like totally bringing their influences and what they love and they're meshing it with paintball in a way that a whole bunch of people are going to hate yeah. Uh, but a whole bunch of other players are going to love. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of like, that was like the light bulb moment where I was like, right, it's a mistake to think that it's going to come as a magazine. Like I did, I did a magazine cause that's what I loved. Yeah. But you know, it's going to come as stuff like, you know, what, you know, what Cassidy did with those videos. You know, I think some of the stuff that, that Dan Napoli has gone on to do, you know, with some of the video series stuff, tracking teams over a long period of time over a season, this has been awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I know, um, you know, you talked about, you know, Pat encouraging you to, to film everything. You know, I, uh, you know, there have been players like Ryan Greenspan have done a lot of awesome, like, travel, you know, video blogging. Um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Dizan with his uh, with his YouTube stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and then I think you with, like, this podcast, honestly, like, this is this is kind of like the not all that different than like hanging out in a hotel room and, and drinking a six pack of Corona, you know, or maybe 12 pack. Um, yeah. and, just, and having that, like those long conversations that there wasn't a place for in, in paintball magazines in, you know, before paint magazine to like yeah. really, really go in depth. And so like, once I realized that, like I see it, I see it everywhere, you know, and, 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 you know, and whether, whether people like, say that paint was an inspiration or whether they hate paint magazine doesn't matter it's, it's that that's sort of like that spirit and that ethos of you know taking taking the things that, that you love and, and bringing them into paintball and, and sort of re you know, representing in a way that's like interesting to you if nothing else yeah uh, you know because because if, if if you think it's interesting the odds are somebody else is going to find it's interesting and, and so it's been really cool to to see that sort of ripple out in a lot of different directions yeah. Well, thank you, man. And I, I really hope, I mean, that's what my whole goal with this is to, you know, try and talk to anyone that's, well, anyone that's willing to listen um, or sit down and talk to me rather. But, you know, at the same time, I think not, I mean, now with social media, you can kind of get a background and kind of get to know somebody a little bit. But mm-hmm. I feel like unless you sit down and talk to somebody and just have a face-to-face conversation or do a podcast like this, I feel like you don't really get really who they are or mm-hmm. their their true personality. And I think this is just a great format to be able to bring that out because, I mean, I've had people on where I wasn't, you know, not that I wasn't too fond of, but I, I just wasn't as clear of who they were as a person Mm -hmm. and then i've had them on and i was like oh okay (laughs) yeah yeah i mean because at paintball tournament we've said this before you know at paintball tournaments you only you see somebody that you've seen for five six seven ten years Mm -hmm. 
you know, once every two months throughout the year or mm-hmm. something like that. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you know them, but you kind of don't. And, and, and now being able to do this, I'm kind of getting to know a lot more of, of the players who are out there than, than what I thought I did. And I think yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a great way to be able to uh, kind of bring them to the forefront of, of the fans and of the players who f- have followed them through the years. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. Like you just get to, you get to have a different kind of conversation with this structure. Um, you know, it is sort of like, I, I felt, I felt that a little bit in a weird way once I started, you know, once I was playing on teams that had the money and the backing to start flying instead of driving to all the events, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause it's just such a different experience, like uh, doing like a 12 hour drive uh, with a bunch of people uh, versus a two hour flight. Um, yeah in terms of you know having those conversations and um you know getting to talk about lots of different stuff and getting a better sense of like these you know the people that you see all the time that you don't necessarily get to to have those talks with otherwise yeah and i I don't think it's a privileged thing as far as pro players go i think it's it's more of a validation that your hard work uh your sacrifices and everything actually means something yeah so i'm not not complaining about those plane tickets (laughs) (laughs) yeah not at all well, hey, Chris, thank you so much, man. I, I, I really appreciate it, and um, I, I really wish you guys the best of luck and uh, and, and in reaching that 50000 I'm going to contribute to that for sure because I want to get as much content in that damn thing as possible. So um, I, I, re- I really can't wait, and I hope this helps kind of push the word, and uh, I can't wait to see it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Have a good one. All right. Cool. Bye. Thank you so much, Chris, for sitting down and shitty chatting with me. I can't wait for the book, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be great to, you know, be able to physically have something like that again that you can, you can have in your hands. You can look at the history of paintball, or at least you can look at that that period and really get a good idea of, of the characters that were involved, the companies, the, the vibe of tournament paintball during that period. It's, it's going to be great, man. Can't wait to see it. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. And thank you to Charm City Paintball. Guys, please head over there and, and see what he has. I'm sure something will catch your eye and something that he has you will want to wear and represent. And I promise you, you will not be let down. There are a handful of pros out there wearing his stuff now, and uh, and I, I, I tell you what, man, they will they will say his praise too. He makes amazing stuff. He has a, a few headbands out right now, some stock camo that are around thirty dollars that he has a, a limited quantity of, but he is in the process of making more at the moment. And as we speak, we are contributing, um, <laughs> contributing. We are collaborating on a Markowski series run of headbands which i'm very very excited for i cannot wait i'm very proud and uh and grateful to be able to work with mike on these and i can't wait to see the finished product it's gonna be great so head over to charm city paintball on facebook or instagram and give them a like and see what you see what you guys think thanks mike uh we are also brought to you by melavio.com m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o.com uh, an, an awesome CBD company and uh, they've been kind of making their way through the ranks and 
the product that I was able to use from them have you know it's been amazing it's been helping me out it's really opened my eyes on the whole CBD um, kind of phenomenon that has been happening as of late and it's it's really really opened my eyes and I've, I've been having everybody try it I really hope you do and for all the listeners out the gear out the care <laughs> it's, it's like midnight uh, all the all my listeners out there who uh, who would like to try it please um, head over to uh, melavio.com and type in capital T-P-O-P into the promo code box and you will get 15% off your entire order. Please guys, check it out. Give it a run. Um, it helps out with all kinds of stuff. Do your research on the CBD and uh, and I'm sure it will it will have some kind of remedy for you to be able to you know, help you out in some way. So, uh, so thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Melavio. Uh, and, and lastly, guys, please head over to patreon.com slash theplayingonpodcast if you are looking for some way to contribute uh, at the moment to the podcast uh, to keep this thing going. I, I greatly appreciate everybody who has been helping me out so far. And um, like I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm really looking towards possibly having a website soon with some uh, some merch on it. And uh, and let me know, guys. Let, let me know, uh, guys and gals. Let me know what you would like to see. If you're looking for hats, t-shirts, uh, posters, I have I have some banners uh, that I am still uh, that I still have available. So if you got anybody's interested, uh, you can you can hit me up on social media or you can email the playing on podcast at gmail.com and uh, and I'll get back to you. So uh, so yeah, that's it. And please, everybody, don't text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road. Uh, you know, I cannot stress this enough. We have enough distractions in this world, um, and there's no reason why you need to distract yourself going 75 miles an hour down a highway. I see too many people do it. Please don't. Keep your eyes on the road. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it, and we will see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!